Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. I'm a handful of change. And I'm Viva Los Shangus. Welcome to episode 184, WCW Monday Night Nitro. Monday Nitro. This is our se- only our second Nitro? Yeah, we watched the very first episode yeah. of Nitro. Now we're hitting the 21st episode of Nitro. Mm-hmm. That was produced by WCW. It would take place on January 22nd, 1996 from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, Nevada. Or if you want to be technical, I guess it's technically Paradise, Nevada. Because oh. it's its own little town where the Psh. casinos are. And the hookers. That oh, too. the hookers. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure the boys... May have, may have, part, may may have partook. partook. I mean, they were there in Vegas for a couple of days. So. Yeah, I'm sure there was some partying, some money lost. Um, some of the ladies we saw on TV may have even <laughs> you know, partook in the hook. <laughs> but this episode of Nitro would have a TV rating of 2.7, which was right around the same as what Raw was getting at that time. Your typical wrestling rating. Yep. For now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely for now. But we're in Vegas. We is. I don't know if we've gone. Have we gone to Vegas before? Yes. Um, We've been there for WrestleMania 9. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, yeah, the Caesar's Palace, the outside show. Outside Caesar's Palace. Uh And I'm trying to remember if we've been there for any other show. I I think that might be the other time. I think so. I mean, yeah, that's the one that comes to mind, of course. It's outside. Literally, as soon as uh, as as I said it, I was like, uh, yeah, I knew that. Jim Ross in a toga, uh, Bobby on a camel, or was yeah. he on an elephant? He was on a camel. He was on a camel. Yes, like backwards. Mm-hmm. Very funny stuff. But yeah, we are uh, we are in Vegas, and we are here for Nitro, and I sat back and I started thinking about my times in Vegas, and what did I experience there, and then you know, it just all of a sudden came crashing together beautifully. The first time I went to Vegas was also the first time I went to Starbucks. And coincidentally, Starbucks now features a uh, delicious coffee beverage called the Nitro Cold Brew with sweet cream. It's a, uh, a velvety smooth kind of caramelicious flavor to it. I guess I shouldn't say caramelicious because that's a Scooter's trademark. But yeah, it has uh, some notes of caramel. It definitely does have a coffee kick to it. I not mean, too sweet? Yeah. Which is nice. Not too sweet. It's got a, a smooth finish to it. It's it's beautiful when they pour it because the the cream kind of cascades down in and the, the bubbles of the coffee kind of float up to the top, so it just gives this cool visual to it. And you know, when it when it's poured, it's poured like a, a beer because it's kegged coffee. So, you know, it has a, a little bit of head to it. Super tasty, super delicious, and you know, it goes hand in hand with the title of our show. And Monday Shane, Nitro. Shane is probably the expert of drive-through coffee. Yes, uh, I am what you may call a coffeeend. 
Um, I've already had two others today. I've had a Dunkin', uh, and then I had just a regular old gas station coffee as well. So, um, thankfully, and yet sadly, uh, Matt is not a coffee fan, so I will be drinking his, which is okay because I'm already halfway through mine, which means I'm going to need something to... uh, Wash down your coffee with some coffee? Yes, wash down the coffee with some coffee and, you know, keep the... The vocal cords nicely lubricated. Yeah, I'm just not a coffee guy. Taste just—it's understandable. Hey, well, I drink enough for the both of us already, so I'm I'm keeping keeping the coffee business extra in business on your behalf. Yeah, there you go. But this is nice because I never like if I drink black coffee if it's hot and I don't just no sugar or anything, and then iced coffee, I'm like sugar, but. They can easily become too much sugar very quickly. So yep. this is a, a nice, uh, you know, lightly sweetened. That's one of the things I, I hate the most about cold coffees is the people who make them often think they have to put extra, extra sugar in it. <laughs> yeah. Like some of us want an actual coffee flavor to it. Mm-hmm. It's not coffee ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Like back in the day when Dunkin' had their little pre-bottled drinks, you know, you'd find vanilla and mocha and... Girl Scout cookie, pumpkin spice, but you very, very Is the rarely. Girl Scout cookie thin mint, basically. Uh, I think so. That would that would make sense. Yeah, I'm guessing either thin mint or it may have been the Samoan one because oh, caramel and oh, coconut. coconut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I always specifically looked around for the espresso one because that's the one that had the actual coffee flavor to it. The least and wasn't, amount of sugar. Yeah. yeah. And that was always the hardest like, one to find. As much sugar as a Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, come on. You've got like an entire refrigerator door full of pumpkin spice ones, but you know, not one that's just coffee flavored. That's my take on it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enough coffee talk. I mean, I know my wife's coffee order. Yeah. I go to Dunkin' and get it for her all the time. Uh, What's she get? Mocha with almond milk and four pumps of caramel. Because she likes it super sweet. She doesn't like the bitter taste of coffee. So. Dessert. Yep, basically. She's like, yeah, I want, uh, yeah, I want it uh, sugary and uh, caffeinated. Yep. But something that would happen around the same time as this episode of Nitro, producer Don Simpson would be found dead in his bathroom from heart failure. Now you're probably like, Don Simpson, where do I know that name from? Uh, from... Um, uh, Long list of incredible films. That's right. (laughs) Him and his producing partner, Jerry Bruckheimer, which is probably a little bit more recognizable, produced many of the top hits of the 80s, such as Flashdance, Top Gun, the Beverly Hills Cop movies, Days of Thunder, once they got into the 90s, Bad Boys, Crimson Tide. The ref, Dangerous Minds. The ref's yeah. not. The ref's one of the, you know, not one. One of the ones that wasn't a hit. Yeah, it was. It was more of a, a cult classic on video. Yeah, it's... but Dangerous Minds, huge, huge movie. Oh yeah, and of course the last one that came out after he passed, The Rock. The Rock. I mean, come on, the best best Michael Bay movie, if not the first Bad Boys. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually prefer Bad Boys. First Bad Boys two, was pretty badass. But I mean, I don't know if that was if Bad Boys Two was Michael Bay. I think it was. Yeah, there was a was. there was a there was a highway scene. Yeah, he did both the, both <laughs> the first yeah. two. Well, the third one's a real stinker. So. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But yeah, I believe that I know of Don Simpson mostly because uh, he's a crazy person. Yes. Uh, he is I, that as well. <laughs> uh, I, I think that supposedly there was like 57 or some shit. Oh no, 21 different drugs in his system when <laughs> at a time when of death. Dead, yes. Yeah, like, Damn. He was a crazy party animal. And uh, yeah, there's pro- lots of uh, fun tales if you want to look up Don Simpson on the internet. And then also some of his interviews where he is just completely yipped up and talking nonsense it is very very entertaining <laughs> yeah i don't know a I mean, lot about point, don simpson at, just... at one point he was actually the head of the paramount studio i believe before he like he got into like individual film producing mm. and but because of all that drug use he he didn't last very long. Yeah, if, yeah, but uh, yeah, just I highly suggest uh, just googling some or uh, YouTubing some Don Simpson um, interviews, and uh, you will be very entertained. I mean, I it mean, also doesn't help that he was he was into Scientology as well. Uh, My opinion. That explains. I mean, you know, when in when in Rome, to, I guess only two Tom. Cruise you think movies. that Tom, yeah, I was gonna say, do you think Tom Cruise got him into it, or do you think Don Simpson got Tom Cruise into it? That would be interesting if he got brought Tom Cruise into Scientology. I guess Very this. Yeah, we, this could, yeah, we can't turn this into uh, a uh, Don's, yeah. full Don Simpson episode. Well, yeah. But we'll save that for our special guest, Leah Remini. <laughs> Remini, however the hell you say her yeah, last exactly. name. But enough about Don Simpson. Yes. Absolutely. Let's let's talk some wrestling. Let's head to Caesar's Palace, Vegas, baby, mm-hmm. where we get the Nitro opening before being welcomed by Eric Bischoff to the show. He's joined by Bobby the Brain Heenan and. Emmy-winning Steve Mongo McMichael and his little dog. commentary. Emmy-winning. They said that at one point. I gotta look. Does Mongo actually have a fucking Emmy? I don't Emmy? think so. <laughs> I hope not. That's just sad. <laughs> but Eric goes over the matches we will see tonight. When all of a sudden Conan would appear behind them with a Mexican heavyweight championship belt. Now I don't think he was actually any champion of anything but it made him seem like a big deal basically okay well he wasn't like uh didn't have a triple triple a belt i don't believe so. triple a okay yeah that was a pretty sad little belt that he was holding i mean it's very possible that it was legit but it was just kind of sad i mean yeah maybe it was i mean the some of those old school belts are um actual actually look more like belts (laughs) (laughs) so maybe maybe it was just uh, one that had been retired at some point and they're like ah we got it around we'll use it but Conan would introduce himself and let everyone know he was facing psychosis tomorrow night on Clash of the Champions 32. I know, and I was like, damn, I don't think we're watching Clash. Nope. We are, we are not watching that show. But I'm yeah. glad to see psychosis is going to be fighting somebody other than Rey Mysterio. Yeah. It's very nice. I imagine he'll have a good match with Conan, too, as Conan was one of the biggest stars in uh, you know Mexican wrestling at the time. Absolutely. Well, we go to our first match. Macho Man, Randy Savage, versus the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, with Jimmy Hart, for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And now you know why we're here at this Nitro. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So a barrage of ladies come out with Macho, and did anyone recognize any of them? Uh, The last one was... I, I recognized a couple of them. 
Nancy Nan- Sullivan, Nancy Benoit, woman. L- Linda Hogan was oh. one of them. Deborah McMichael. I noticed I recognized Deborah McMichael. her right away. Mm-hmm. And then, as you mentioned, Nancy Sullivan, woman, was amongst them as well. Yeah, um, I didn't catch Hogan's. The Real Housewives of Professional Wrestling. Yeah, but I but I, I saw uh, Deborah and I was like, oh yeah, Mongo. <laughs> that's that's where McMichael comes from. Yeah, I kept scanning through the others just to see if there was another wife in there that you know, maybe Kimberly had been yeah. put into a costume since. They didn't bring back. Uh, These women were probably like, no, Kimberly can't be part of this no. group. She's ten years younger and much more. <laughs> also, uh, they didn't bring back Missy Hyatt. No. (laughs) Brick, consider the bridge burned. Mean Gene would stop Savage to let him say that he's going to be steaming hot tonight. Isn't he always? Basically. Hulk Hogan then makes his way down the ramp to wish Macho good luck. And when you win, I want the first shot at the title. Greedy fucker. And Savage responds with, what it is, is what it is. <laughs> and this has been his uh, war cry that's a play. <laughs> Bischoff mentions that woman has a past with Nature Boy, which the last time we saw them together was actually at Capital Combat, episode 45. That's a whole lot of episodes ago. Yeah, 1992. Robocop, baby. Eric would then announce that the Mega Powers' secret weapon for their tag match the next night, where they would face Flair and the Giant, was going to be Miss Elizabeth. No, that's a not so secret secret. I know. It's also like, why <laughs> is why don't they not have Elizabeth come out on? I mean, spoiler alert, but yeah. Elizabeth doesn't show up on this show at all, and it would make so much sense for her to show up at some point yeah, on this show, even if it's a secret weapon for tomorrow night. I know, but if it's not so secret now, and also isn't that going to get more people to turn it, tune into Clash if Miss Elizabeth comes out maybe at the end of this match as opposed to at the beginning of it or later in the show at some point as a surprise instead of just telling us the surprise? Everybody knows who she is. It would. It's. It, yeah. It's, I was like, what a wasted opportunity. Yep. Throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Eric also mentions that Kevin Green from the Pittsburgh Steelers would be there as well Ooh. to be an enforcer for Hogan and Savage. Well, hot dog. I mean, they... Kevin Green. Taught Kevin Green a bunch on this show. I'm not familiar with Kevin Green as somebody who was not watching uh, football regularly in 1996. He was a linebacker for the Steelers. They... And... Steelers having a big year. Spoiler alert, because we'll talk Super Bowl here in a couple weeks, but the Steelers actually make the Super Bowl. Okay. So, like, Kevin Green... He was, he was it, this more was, of a big deal at the this time. This is the biggest year he ever had in yeah. football. Kind of a big deal to have a guy that's going to be playing in the Super Bowl there at their show. Yeah, and I don't know, I mean... That's uh, also Hogan's way of, you know, staying young and hip and... In touch with today's youth, or 1996 youth. Nate would find woman when he comes out and would woo at her, only to be slapped, allowing Macho to attack from behind. But Flair chops back before whipping Savage into a guardrail. Once they hit the ring, Macho ducks a back elbow to deliver a clothesline for a two count, and continues with a turnbuckle smash, only to then charge into a back elbow. The Nature Boy goes back to chops before tossing Savage over the ropes to the floor. 
while Jimmy Hart distracts the ref. Jimmy then runs all the way around the ring to get a kick in as Nate heads out to whip Macho into the front row. Jimmy Hart's kick reminded me of like sensational Sherry back in the day when she would kick somebody while she was Savage's manager. <laughs> just like all arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at least she had heels on. Yeah. <laughs> Savage would start to fight back with eye rakes and right hands, followed by a back body drop onto the concrete. We head to commercial as Macho leaps off the top rope with a double axe handle, only for Flair to avoid and sending Savage into a guardrail. And we get a WCW Magazine commercial where a young kid turns into Sting after reading it. That's pretty cool. That's a, that's a way to sell a magazine. This magazine will... Maybe, maybe you want to order a WCW oh, yeah. magazine. The magazine will paint your face. Can you imagine if they made like Sting like makeup, full face, temporary tattoos? I mean, what a missed opportunity! Just comes in the middle of the uh, of the uh, magazine. Oh yeah, the, the easy to remove centerfold. Oh where, yeah. yeah, just uh-huh. apply it to your face. We come back to action as the Nature Boy is landed in on Macho with right hands and chops. But Savage starts to fire up with mounted punches and a whip for a flare flip to the floor. Macho follows out only for Nature to go low and attempt to slam Savage into the guardrail but it's blocked and reversed by Macho. They head back into the ring, and the nature boy begs off, only to go low to escape more punishment before Flair flopping down to the mat. Yeah, it's like the ref like admonishes ref the admonishes Flair, and then he does the flop. It seemed very, very ill-timed for a Flair flop. I was kind of confused. <laughs> Savage blocks a hip toss and counters into a backslide for a two-count. Nate then counters a headlock with a shinbreaker and locks on the figure four. One shinbreaker straight to the figure four. Grabbing the ropes for leverage until he's caught. So the ref pulls the nature boy by his hair to make him break the hold. I mean, that's a ballsy ref. Hey, I mean, Randy Anderson ain't fucking around. He's he's seen enough of uh, Flair's bidness. Yep. This is also around the time in the show where the commentary informs us that the Road Warriors are back. Just by just... Telling us. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah. Surprise. The, like, biggest attraction of, Another... of, like, Jim Crockett promotions, which essentially this absorbed and, like, the Road Warriors were bringing more money than anybody in the 80s. And we are just going to tell you they're back. Yeah. Another secret spoiled on Nitro. Yeah. But By choice. Not actually shown. <laughs> yeah. So Flair's shoving around the ref, but he goes back to Macho to nail a rolling knee drop before heading up top, where Savage meets him there to press slam him off. Macho then delivers a pair of flying double axe handles, and he calls for the elbow, when Hart would jump on the apron to distract the ref again. Arn Anderson would then run down to the ring with a pair of knucks, so the Nature Boy holds Savage, only for double A, to hit Nate instead. Oh no. Hogan then comes running down to yank the enforcer off the apron as Macho heads up top for the savage elbow, for the pin, and, and the, the win. win. And new! The uh, bell rings before the pin attempt. Yeah. I think the timekeeper wasn't told what the finish of this Yeah, I was uh, yeah. a little thrown by that myself. Exactly. And it's like. I mean, we'll get to it, but 
Hogan's into the ring to help, but he doesn't do anything. Like, the... Arn wasn't... <laughs> I guess he pulled Arn away from, like, stopping the pin or whatever, but... That's... Yeah. I guess, I guess he helped a little. So post-match, Hulk is celebrating in the ring with Macho. Very shades of WrestleMania 4. Very, very. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I guess we're uh, kind of running it back. And Savage takes the mic, calling out Hogan for celebrating like he won the match. But Macho won it. <laughs> I am the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, and you are clowning around the ring. Don't embarrass yourself like that, I, brother. I got so excited when he just called him out. Called him embarrassing. Because, uh, well, Yar. he is. Savage says that when he beats the Hulkster, he wants Hogan to shake his hand. And they agreed to have a match right back here at Caesar's Palace. Uh, next month? Tonight? Tomorrow? Brother? Uh, no. Not tomorrow. There's a tag match tomorrow. They end up, they do end up having that match, but it's not until Halloween Havoc of 96. Okay. This is what we call a long-term booking. (laughs) I mean, hell, they've been booking this since WrestleMania 4, so, I mean, why not go a little longer? You know the difference between uh, WrestleMania 4 and this? Everything is different. (laughs) Yeah, the the Mega Powers still might be one of the best things WWF ever did. Elizabeth was there and not just mentioned. (laughs) Yeah. There to the point that she brought a tear to everyone's eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, all of that stuff was done so well. changes. Yeah, it was perfectly booked. So this is uh, an interesting way to... I like to think that all, this the, again. all the women at the beginning of this match represented a wardrobe change that Miss Elizabeth did uh, at WrestleMania 4. That's nice. That's what it is. But the even crazier <laughs> thing is that the belt ends up changing hands like three times before that match happens. Oh, yes. Yeah. That totally makes sense. That's, that's what was something glorious about the 90s was everybody just started playing hot potato. Gotta boost that rating. Damn right. <laughs> yeah, it's not about... Can't miss TV yeah. because we're going to give you the secrets of tomorrow's episode today. Right. <laughs> so we then go to commercial, but when we come back, we get our second match. Dean Malenko versus Flying Brian Pillman. All right, not mad at that lineup. And Dean grabs a hammerlock almost immediately, only for Pillman to catch him with a back elbow to escape. And he starts to laugh about it. So Malenko drops Flying Brian with a hip toss and a drop kick. I mean, Pillman is uh, manic, yes. yelling at the crowd. He's got that wild eye. He is he's the loose cannon. cannon. He's he's not Flying Brian. He's unstable. Only in name. Dean then goes for the cloverleaf. So Pillman just slips his way out to the floor to regroup. Back in the ring, Flying Brian hits a face plant, rubbing. Dean's face in the mat before hitting a vertical suplex for a two count. Malenko comes back with a clothesline in the corner, a brain buster, and a reverse neckbreaker for a near fall. Pillman then catches Dean with a knee on a charge before delivering a tornado DDT. He keeps up the attack with chops, but after a reversed whip, Malenko is able to nail a tiger bomb for a two count, followed by a drop kick that sends Flying Brian out to the floor. Fuck around and find out, brother. (laughs) Dean goes for a baseball slide, 
which is avoided, followed by Pillman sending Malenko into a guardrail to regain control. Back in the ring, Flying Brian heads up top, only for Dean to meet him there, where Pillman then rakes the eyes to knock Malenko down. Flying Brian sets up for another Tornado DDT, but Dean shoves him off to the mat, followed by delivering a gut buster and applying an ankle lock, only for Pillman to make the ropes. Flying Brian is then out on the apron, with Malenko hitting shoulder tackles, but a Pillman right hand knocks him back, getting Dean's foot trapped between the ropes, allowing Flying Brian to jump on top for a pin and a win. So not only was the leg in the ropes, but Malenko had literally rolled onto his side <laughs> while the count was being made. Yeah, that's a... Uh... There, there's, some, yeah. there's some bad refereeing yeah. on this show. <laughs> yeah, it's like the, the foot in the ropes, you could play it to where the ref didn't see it or whatever. But the other one's completely yeah, inexcusable. Exactly. The other one's just like a way for Malenko not to look you know, weak or whatever. So we've got uh, a referee pulling hair in the first match, a referee totally missing everything in the pin of this match. Wonder what's going to happen next. We go to a commercial. WCW Saturday night. Sting and Lex will be wrestling. Johnny B. Bad will take on Ming. Harlem Heat meet the American Males. And Ric Flair versus Alex Wright. I mean, that's... Pretty solid Saturday Saturday night night show, honestly. (laughs) Pretty solid. We also get a Clash of the Champions 32 ad. Watch Colonel Parker and Sherry's wedding. Oh, we haven't... I guess they've been doing it on TV. I feel like we haven't seen them... Yeah. They made out basically the last time we saw them. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. And now they're getting married? Aw. Oh. But I'm sure everything will go exactly as planned. Absolutely. At this wedding. Miss Elizabeth is going to crash the wedding, isn't she? <laughs> Sherry can't have her moment. I don't know if it's Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> someone might. So, yeah, someone might just uh, show up. We then go to our third match. Harlem Heat of Booker T and Stevie Ray versus Sting and Lex Luger for the WCW World Tag Team Championships. And the champions come out first. Foreshadowing. Also, they just told us that Sting and Lex are going to fight on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have this cantank- cantankerous relationship at the moment. Well, they didn't say they were wrestling each other. They just said they were wrestling. Wrestling. Oh, okay. Yeah. But if you noticed, Harlem Heat, no Sherry. Nope. So I assume she's at her bachelorette party? Some. I mean, she's getting married tomorrow. Exactly. She's got to live it up, uh, you know. Before she gets the old ball and chain. She's got to find that right outfit for the boudoir. Bischoff also mentions that Lex had cost Sting the world title the week before. Something about a, a megaphone or something like that? Is that what I heard? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, Damn it, Lex. Are they on the same page? I mean, we're about to find out. We go to another commercial and we get an ad for Super Brawl. And that's our next WCW pay-per-view. But we come back to Stevie Ray and Luger in the ring, where Lex smashes Stevie's head into a turnbuckle, but then charges into a boot in the corner, only to recover with a running forearm smash. Luger starts to run the ropes when Booker T gets a boot into the back, but it just pisses him off, 
so he knocks Booker down, only to then turn into another big boot. Harlem Heat go for a double clothesline, but Lex ducks and hits one of his own before making the tag. Or Sting cleans house with Stinger splashes before applying the Scorpion Deathlock on Stevie Ray. But Booker T breaks it up with an axe kick. Perfect axe kick. Very nice. Harlem Heat now begins to work over Sting with clotheslines, leg lariats, and arm bars. When the Stinger begins to fire up, only to run into a Booker big boot. And see, I want to say... Is around this time back in the 90s where I was watching wrestling and watching Sting going, wow, check out his hair. He's letting it go dark. There's no more platinum blonde. There's no more bleach. I just had to call that out. Yeah, it, yeah. It was a, a, a memory from, from my youth, but yeah. He was tired of buying all that bleach. Well, you know, there's already one platinum blonde on top, brother. No <laughs> point being his sidekick. Booker T keeps up the attack with a top rope face plant for a two count. Stevie with clubbing forearms. Sting fires up again, only to be caught with a rake of the eyes to stop the momentum. Stevie Ray then really stops the momentum with a nerve hole. (sighs) Crowd chance for Sting. They don't want to see this hold either. Nope. Stevie then body slams the Stinger. Booker comes in with a knee drop and a chin lock followed by Harlem Heat hitting a double-team front suplex to set up the Harlem hangover. But Sting moves and makes his way to the corner for the... Hot tag! But the ref doesn't see it, as Stevie has made his way into the ring. So Nick Patrick is trying to regain control of the match when Jimmy Hart would make his way to ringside. What's up with these refs? Good lord. Jimmy would hand Luger something as the Stinger runs Stevie Ray into a guardrail. Back in the ring, Booker T and Sting start running the ropes, only to both hit clotheslines for a double KO. The Stinger then stumbles his way to the corner for a real hot tag. Lex comes in and he clocks Booker with the loaded fist. Oh my God. As silver dollars go rolling. Jackpot. All over the ring. A handful of change. Luger makes the cover for the pin and, and the, the win. win. And new! Even though there's literally silver dollars sitting right there as the ref's making the count. Hey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who also somehow didn't see it? Exactly. Like, yeah. how did, how, how did, like it, it's in, right there. In his defense, because I was watching this part of it too, the shoulders were down and there was only one silver dollar showing on the side where the shoulders were. So uh, okay. you know, everything else was scattered on the other side of of uh, Stevie Ray or Booker T. But Sting one, d- didn't T. see it as he was on the floor. So post-match, Sting is surprised they just won. But he does start celebrating right. with Lex. Let's out a yes! Finally! I like that it's like loose change, too. It's like you couldn't give him like a roll of silver dollars. Yeah, it was a roll. No, it was just like... Well, no, there was... I couldn't really? tell if it, it was. Like he just like handed like a pile of them into I his I couldn't hand. tell if it was the paper from a roll or if it was a bag oh, because okay. it it looked like it stuck to his hand after he hit him with it, so he had to shake it off. But oh, there was just yeah. a clump of paper sitting in the ring, and I couldn't tell if it was a bag or if it was a busted roll. But either way, yeah, you got to have the visual of a ball. Oh yeah, that's right, place, absolutely. So. Whatever it was, it was a gimmick. But just like somebody giving you like 
four or five coins to hold in your hand. It's like, cool, big deal. Gotta have the KO <laughs> from the FO that uh-huh. takes you to the win. And it's, uh, you know, it's a, a tie-in to their, the casino. Not just quarters, it's exactly. silver dollars. So we get another commercial, but when we come back, it's time for <gasps> our fourth match. One Man Gang mm. versus Hulk Hogan. Mm. Speaking of WrestleMania 4 vibes. Yeah, we're doing OMG again, as well as the Mega Powers. So, One Man Gang was the WCW United States Heavyweight Champion. As, remember, we talked about that at the end of Starcade, where the the dark match where he won the belt in a weird finish type thing against Kanzuke Sasaki. But this match was a non-title match. Basically, because remember, at the beginning, Hogan was like, I'm going to become the number one contender. Yeah. And the U.S. heavyweight champion is always usually considered the number one contender. So if he beats one main gang, then he's the number one contender. That's the logic behind all of this. Mm-hmm. The logic behind making the, the one man gang the, the U.S. Little, heavyweight The little bit of champion? logic yeah. that yeah. WCW has. Just know, listeners, will, there's... There's at least a little bit of logic There's a to little it. bit yeah. there. We're not necessarily condoning <laughs> it, but we are pointing it out. I never condone a Hogan match. <laughs> so the Hulkster goes right after Gang with right hands, and he looks to hit the big boot, only for one man Gang to roll out of the, to the apron to avoid. Hogan continues with right hands to send Gang out to the floor, following out to send him into the steel steps and the guardrail. Back in the ring, the punishment continues until Hulk telegraphs a back body drop allowing Gang to drop Hogan with forearms and a body slam. Oh, brother. One man Gang then delivers a 747 splash. But Hogan no-sells, and it's Hulk Hulk up time. time. Oh, brother. Right hands, whips Gang around the ring, clothesline, big boot, body slam, leg drop, pin, and And the the win. Post-match, the Dungeon of Doom and the four horsemen all make their way out to the ring to attack Hogan, with Savage coming out to make the save. And they clear the ring as the giant is being held back. Oh yeah, Zodiac was just like all up in his face. No! No! Don't do it, brother! Don't do it! The most convincing anything I've seen from old Brutus Zodiac, (laughs) the Man without a name, butcher. The, the zebra striped boy. <laughs> mean Gene then joins the ring where Hulk and Macho talk over plans for their title match. Before talking about their secret weapons, Kevin Green and Miss Elizabeth Secrets. for tomorrow night's tag match at Clash 32. And Eric says his goodbyes with Heenan flipping out on Mongo for interrupting him as we fade to black. Oh, Bobby. So I ask you gentlemen... What are your overall thoughts of Monday Night Nitro? It was a boring show to sell the clash. I hate the superpowers rehash because it's not good or clever. And it's just a world of missed opportunity to not at least have like a Road Warriors promo or for them to come out at the end of the tag match to do anything at all or for Elizabeth not to show up at the end of the show in some way it's like wouldn't have been better if elizabeth just came out instead of both heel factions coming out it would have been a bigger pop granted they're 
still have to have the giant, but the giant could come out after Elizabeth has an entrance or something. Oh, yeah. Uh, and still say, Hogan, I can smell your blood, which is what he yells at him. But I forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah. That's, that was my feeling on this show for the most part. My thoughts on this show can be summed up by a quote from Tony Schiavone on this show who said, if you want to know where Lex Luger's head is... Tony Schiavone wasn't on this show. Or wait, sorry, Bischoff. See, that's, that's how much I loved this episode. Bischoff uh, is like Tony yeah. Light. <laughs> Bischoff said, if you want to know where Lex Luger's head's at, just look at him. Yeah, that's uh, the show was just. That's how clever trash. this was. Yes, <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> it was so clever. That two he... nitro cold brew coffees might be enough to get you through this episode. I've made it through about one and a half just discussing it. In a forty-five minute nitro. <laughs> um, I will say it moves fast. Yeah, it moves quickly. There's a lot of shit that doesn't need to be there, and a lot of shit that could be done a whole lot better. And and the stuff that could be done better is so blatantly obvious yeah. that it's that's the frustrating part i said it a few times during the uh the podcast here oh brother so a couple of uh title changes always makes for good tv right <sighs> not when they look like this Totes. but some really bad finishes makes this episode barely passable yep like i don't know if i was more mad that macho or sting and lex won the ti- won the titles or the horrible refing in the two other matches you know what's crazy is that it doesn't even feel like macho won the title it feels like he kind of like feels like he already had it mm-hmm. it doesn't even feel like it happened or it was a big deal it's just like oh yeah they had a match there was like no fanfare it just doesn't feel doesn't feel like anything at all well no savage celebration is complete without hulk hogan immediately entering the ring so i mean best part of the show is Hogan is Macho Man Macho calling, calling him out for being <laughs> embarrassing and you know being a glory hog for with yeah for something that hasn't happened or he hasn't done. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smart it up. So, any good moments in the show? I mean, you mentioned one just a second ago. Yeah. The also you know Pillman's character works nice. It's cool to see him. He's healing it up, so he's not doing as fantastic stuff, whereas, like, Malenko is going in there and doing, you know, power moves and holds, and, uh, you know, Pillman is doing not, yeah, just flare-ish heel things, but with that extra edge of, like, spaz. Yelling at the crowd, calling himself a full metal jacket, you know, rubbing Dean's face into the uh, mat just to antagonize him. Booker T's axe kick. Yeah. yeah. And he wasn't even using it as a finisher yet. No. It was just a move in the set. I mean, Booker T just gets, he's just getting better. The leg lariats, I love. And he's the guy to do them. The tension between Arn and Pillman at the end, uh, it just, there was just a, a brief moment with Arn kind of pushing Pillman away and kind of scolding him for his actions at the end where he was... Screaming for the giant to continue. Oh, that was good. Yeah, yeah there was just it. It stood out to me as a, uh, is this fake or is this real? You know, I'm. Yeah, they <laughs> can't even piss they, off yeah. Arn or is this an angle? The idea that they can't even control like the craziest yeah, guy of at, their at force this point, point, the loose cannonish of 
Pillman was starting to wear on everyone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Come on, one man gang got squashed, guys. Uh, <laughs> and like, uh, you, I mean, I've been watching that for years. Oh, uh, I did like I did like the moment where there's a moment for one second where uh, one man gang, you know, has the edge on Hogan or whatever, and he does uh, the. Hakeem ish dance, and I was like, oh, there's a little bit of Hakeem in there. That was fun. Still got a little bit of the, the Funk Soul Brother in him. Mm-hmm. How about most disappointing? This show. Yeah, Flair losing <laughs> a title again. The fact that, I mean, we talked about it. But yeah, Savage like, getting a, the, a not valid. I don't, I don't have an issue with Savage win. winning the no. belt because I, because I think I may have said it on. Starcade, but the reason they put the they took the belt off of Savage and put it on Flair was because Savage was actually hurt, and so they just needed this, to get it back. This might have been didn't them Savage just this might have just been putting the belt back on Savage because he was healthy again. Didn't he win the last time with some sort of controversy? I'm trying to remember. I mean, the Horseman did come down and that's how it was. I mean, like, just give the man I mean, his clean this, win. At this, at this point, Flair does not win clean in any match yeah well no i'm saying savage when he won the last time didn't well he, he won at world war three in the and 60 what... man battle royal okay. yeah yeah where um where he eliminated one man gang while hogan was underneath the. that's right yeah mm-hmm. there was some sort of controversy i couldn't remember what it was yeah, it was but... like the hogan saying he wasn't eliminated or whatever oh yeah, yeah that's what yeah that whole thing that whole thing i don't blame you for forgetting <laughs> uh i'm calling out the refs again Yes. Yeah. yeah. I just like, just missing the leg and like like you m- made sense with the leg of the rope. Maybe you can miss that, but he literally rolls onto his side before the three count. Yeah. And, it's, and it's just like, come on, Raph. Um, no Miss Elizabeth. No Road Warriors. I just hate the laziness of like trying to run back the Mega Powers, but without even trying in any like real way. Because it's not like it couldn't be done. It's been long enough that I feel like it could. They could do it again to oh, like. It, it's a very lazy build. Two dimin- two diminishing returns, but it could still be like moderately exciting. I mean, this is January, and they don't meet until October. October. And I can guarantee you it's that not... they are not in a program together the entire time. Really? So there's like there's no probably no real build from even from here. Correct. And this still feels like they hot shot or hot shotting the idea, and it's. I mean, this is just Hogan still wanting to be the center of attention. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he becomes the center of attention in a little, by, by little that bit. point. Yeah, yeah, in a, in a little bit of a different way. Yeah. Yes. In a, uh, you know, exciting way. Yeah. At least at the time. Best performer of the night. I'm just give it to Pillman for the heel work, I guess. But Malenko for the in ring work. I don't know. Booker T had some had some nice I think spots. Probably Booker T for me. I think he. I mean, getting to work with Sting and looking looking as good as he did. Yeah. 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 That's always exciting. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Booker. You know, Harlem Heat's just consistently getting better. Booker T's getting crispier hey, once, in there. once again. Harlem Heat loses the belts on TV. Mm. Woo! I wonder when they're going to win them off camera so we can feel, see them lose again. I literally feel like that's all we ever see <laughs> of them. Yeah, best performer. 
a little Pillman, a little Booker, a little Bobby. Most surprising? Conan showed up, guys. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so we, right. So he did. one of our Malenko, because yeah. our first WCW Malenko. So. I was surprised when it was Malenko. I was like, oh, cool. That's exciting. And, and then the match was psychosis fine. Psychosis is going to be in town. So, so we watched this show. So some of our ECW guys are coming up. advertised what sounded like a very nice Saturday lineup. I wish they would have had the Saturday matches <laughs> on this show. <laughs> we're here. We were here yeah. for the for the story, whether we liked it or not. Yeah, these TV shows, you know, we can't all be winners. Definitely, most of them will have title changes. That's why we watch them, so we see those title changes. But some some are just because they're supposedly good episodes of the show. Yeah, rega- well regarded. Well regarded episodes in the spin, you know, in so usually a major storyline, something other will happen. This one, obviously, because of the title changes. Yep. Yeah, it wasn't for um, you know match quality or uh, anything crazy surprising. Like I said, it didn't even feel like a title change when the title changed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Woo! This so, should be a little more exciting than the show. So this week, the category is Music of the Mat. It's my music! Break it down! Matt's music. Carly Rae Jepsen. No. So... Th- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So three points for whoever buzzes in with the correct answer first. And I'm looking for the name of the wrestler for the music that I'm going to play. All right. Just buzz in with your name, and we'll get that answer. Michael? It's the Sandman. That is correct. (laughs) It's so funny because when we watch these shows... We don't hear that song. uh, We don't hear Metallica. We hear like... Whatever song, you know, whatever free use tune they use. And it's funny because it's like, oh, I understand. We always complain about the Sandman's like 10 minute intro, which is like cool, but it's less cool when like you can't hear the crowd singing along to Metallica or yeah. Sandman smoking and drinking to Metallica. And he's just to like generic rock song number two. And they're like, oh, well, we need something that's kind of got the vibe, but it's not the same thing without one of the biggest fucking hard rock fans of all time. And uh, this is just like, yeah, freeusemusic.org or whatever track. Right. Next week, we're going to watch some TV again in WWF Monday Night Raw from January 22nd, 1996. Going to do like I used to do back in the day where we turn the channel to USA and see what's happening with those fellers up north. Mm-hmm. Exact same night as this Nitro that we just watched. Is this the first show we've done that with? Where it's no. been the same same night? No. I want to say there's been other ones. I mean, TV show possibly. TV but show definitely. Yeah. I want to say we've had a pay-per-view and a something on the same night. I can't remember. Maybe they were just a day apart from each other. That could yeah. be. Maybe that's what it No, we have. Because the first Clash of the Champions... Was the same night like as WrestleMania Survivor Series. Survivor Series, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, is, I knew there was, it, something. was that the one with the Gooker? 
I don't remember if that's the Gooker Survivor Series. I know it's the Sting Flare. Yeah, yeah. Time limit draw. So, yeah, 89. So, no, that was not 88. Gooker. 88, okay. I don't so, remember what 88 Survivor 88 Series. 88 was the... Is that the one with the tag teams? And, like, Ultimate Warrior and Brutus Beefcake versus... It's, I think that's the Jumping Bomb Angels one. Yeah. Because I think it was the first Survivor Series. But, yeah, this is our first... Like tandem raw nitros, which I'm sure will happen multiple times in the future oh, yes. as we are, you know, approaching the war. The war. Raw is war? I don't know if raw was war at this point or not. No, I don't think it was because it became raw is war when it moved to two hours, I believe. Because the first hour was raw and the second hour was war. Oh, they really? had like a separate intro and everything. That was not the Survivor Series with the Jumping Bomb Angels, but it was the. It did have one of the ten on t- uh, tag team Survivor Series matches. One of the yeah, where it's like, how did you fit this many people? The on Killer bees yeah. and powers of pain, demolition, strike force. It was the second annual one. Young stallions. <laughs> <laughs> But music from this week's show is the Nitro theme song, and Hogan won our main event, so we play American Made by Jimmy Hart. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, go out there and rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. If you have any questions, comments, concerns? Recipes. We're going to Stockton, California next. Yeah. Need some Cali recipes. Always need Philly recipes, drink ideas, something. You can send those to us at our email, wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com, or find us on Twitter at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Laters. Fuck you, Terry.